What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I'm your host, Sam Valentine, a.k.a. One Broke Actress. And before we get into today's podcast, I just want to put a little PSA out there. You guys have seen what's going on with the fires in California. Um, They're about 40 miles from Hollywood area. So I'm safe. Um, Those around me are safe, but there are a lot of people who are losing a lot in the fires right now. And there's a lot of animals that are being displaced. There's a lot of crazy shit going on, um, as well as the shooting that just happened in Thousand Oaks. So um, if you guys have any extra dollars or time that you can give, if you live in the area, um, anything you can donate to the cause is very helpful. Um, There's a lot of smoke in the air and their word that people are going to get sick and you know all that stuff so take care of yourselves and take care of others please 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 do anything you can and consider yourself really lucky if you have your own bed to fall asleep in tonight so that's how I feel I just have to put that out there and um okay we'll we'll focus on the podcast now Hi guys, <laughs> we, uh, this week we have Lisa Sunstead and Lisa actually was recommended to me by Molly Gardner. You guys might remember her as the makeup artist from season two. Molly is hilarious if you remember and Molly actually originally met Lisa in a stand-up class. Lisa has taught stand-up comedy for years. She said the longest running female produced stand-up show in Los Angeles She is incredibly hilarious. Her sense of humor is on point and so dry, just like I like it. Today, she talks to us about how she came to L.A., the bands she toured with when she first got here, and her epic dream and goal of being on a sitcom, and it never happened, (laughs) and how she then turned to producing her own comedy show, Open Mic Nights. She got really proactive in her career of being seen, and she actually ended up making some money from it. And now she hosts her own stand-up comedy classes herself, which are incredible. You guys might have recognized some of the names she talks about in the podcast. I won't name drop them here, but we'll get to them. Trust me. She also delves really deeply into her spiritual side with us, explaining her version of a vision board, her God box, which was something I've never heard of before, but I thought was fascinating, and the other practices she's put in place to keep herself centered in her life in general. She has a ton of recommendations she gives us on the podcast, and she has a podcast herself. So get ready to do some downloads, guys. Oh, and be sure to stick around until the end of the podcast because we have an extra little treat from Lisa to send us off today. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this. Without further ado, please enjoy Lisa Sunstead. I'm here with Lisa Sunstead. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so nice to be here in your beautiful place. Thank you. Um, I've heard so much about you. Oh, my gosh. Um, I hope most of it was good. All good things from <laughs> former podcast guest Molly Gardner. Yes, she's one of my besties. Because you knew her. Did you guys meet in like the comedy world? We met because she took my class. Yes. So she was one of my students, and then we became very good friends, and we hiked together, Fryman Canyon. We do that a couple times, about four or five times a month. Awesome. Yeah. So let's start with talking about how, obviously, we'll get to your class and all that, everything, this legacy that you have right now, but what, how did you get here to LA? How did I get here? I drove. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the windows? Uh, You mean from San Diego, my hometown? Yes. 
I'm from Oceanside, California. So I grew up in, yeah. And uh, let's see, I started out doing musical theater and I was an actress, just an actress who, you know, and I did like Paint Your Wagon and uh, Shenandoah, (laughs) Fullerton Civic Light Opera, little shows, you know, Costa Mesa, you know, Mm -hmm. theater. And uh, I moved up to L.A. and I moved in with a woman who was, I was probably 22. She was 40. She was great. She allowed me to rent a room out of her apartment. I lived in North Hollywood. And I just traveled a lot. I, I sang and danced. And I worked on cruise ships. I worked at Tokyo Disneyland Japan. I sang with Sean and Ah, this 50s band. Toured with them for three years. Um, went to Morocco. Did you come here with the goal of performing? Was that? You know what? I always wanted to be on a sitcom. Really? Yeah, so my goal was I want to be an actress and I want to be on a sitcom because I loved sitcoms. That's such a specific goal. I love that. Yeah. It like never I'm... happened. No. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> I've done like, co-stars. Wow, she really like aimed and shot, but you never, no? No. Did it fall away like the want for that specific yes. thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just because I found my path and my calling. Okay. You How know. did you find that? There's stand-up, you mean comedy in general, teaching? Teaching. I think teaching is my calling and producing. I produce a lot of comedy shows. And um, let's see. So when I was, I guess, in my mid-20s, I wanted to be on a sitcom, and I had a boyfriend, and he was an agent, and I said, I want to do sitcoms. And he said, do stand-up comedy. It's your best way to be seen by the industry. Fastest way in. It's it's very rare for a cute young girl to be doing stand-up, because this was back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of women did stand-up back then. And so I put an act together, and I went on stage like the next week, and I started doing stand-up. The <laughs> <laughs> point A to point B here is hard for me. So you just put an act together. Like, how did you... I know it was, like, early in your career, but how did you just put it together? Well, okay, so I wrote... Uh, I wrote this song called Rejected Again, and it's about musical theater auditions. <laughs> and it's, I could send <laughs> it like to you. Song that's in yeah. my heart. Wait, really? Would you? Yeah, yes, I'll send please, it to you. Please, please. And um, it was about musical theater auditions and how I can never get, you know, on Broadway or I'll never make it big because my voice wasn't good. I just get rejected for everything I auditioned for. And I used that to open my set. So I, I started with the song. I sang the song, and then I just talked about my struggles as an actress in Los Angeles. And that was my act. My act was my truth. And I still encourage comics to do that. What's your truth? What is your situation? Talk about that. Where'd you go on? uh, Well, the Laugh Factory was the first show I ever did. It was their open mic. Cool. Yeah. And then um, I used to perform at this gay bar called The Rage. I don't know if it still exists. It was in West Hollywood. But there's a gay bar called Rage. Okay, so it was Rage. And they used used to have uh, open mic nights every Tuesday, and they had a comedy contest. And you could go on stage, and you would win 100 bucks if you won. And I won. Sweet. Yeah. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't a lot of money. So early on in my career, I got encouragement because I did well. Mm -hmm. And... um, then I got a manager very quickly, so my manager helped me a lot at that time, and um, and just seemed like because doors were opening in that direction, that was what I was meant to do, and that's what I still believe. That's so cool. That if if it's easy, it's meant to be. So after that first show, you were hooked. Yeah, and I like that it's proactive. That I didn't have to sit around waiting for 
agents or managers or anybody to call me or auditions or waiting for the phone to ring. You can get up on stage every night of the week. There's open mics everywhere in this city. That's amazing. Yeah, and you can write. You can get get together with your other comedy buddies and write jokes and then go test them out in front of an audience anytime you want. It's such a good idea. It's so scary. Uh, so. It's not scary when you take my class because it's a bunch of other women and you're meeting a bunch of girls. Which is a supportive atmosphere. Uh-huh. And the fact that it's all women... How did you get that idea? Did you start like coaching after being a stand-up for a while? Well, I was a stand-up comic for a while, and then I became a writer. And uh, well, actually, I started producing Pretty Funny Women in 1995 because I was at the Hollywood Improv and I was flirting with this guy, and he told me I was too pretty to be funny. I read that in your bio. Yeah, and I loved it, <laughs> and I was like, huh? But I liked the title, Pretty Funny, and I, I, I. I was always hustling for stage time, and, and there weren't a lot of opportunities for women. At any given night at a club, there would be a lineup of like 12 guys and maybe one girl. Mm. And so I said, fuck this. I'm going to do my own show. And that's what I've always done is create my own opportunities. I don't like waiting for somebody to give them to me. So I found this location, Luna Park. It doesn't exist anymore. It was, in, it was on uh, Robertson Boulevard and Santa Monica. Okay. And I got my cutest friends together, and we called the show Pretty Funny Women, and we gave out industry packets. We invited all the industry. We, we, there was no internet back then. So we sat, literally sat in a circle on my apartment floor, and we cold called every single casting director and manager and agent that we had access to. So you put on like a showcase. Yeah. It was an industry showcase, and we sold it out, and we gave out these packets. Well, people came. Yeah, they came. You called them, and they came. They came. Yeah. Feels feels so vintage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was it was old school, but uh, you know, we we just made phone calls and we sent flyers out. You know, back in the day when you would make flyers, and then you'd hand out the flyers, and we mailed the flyers to commercial casting directors and managers and agents and. Yeah. That's awesome. And it just, it felt so good. I remember feeling like this is easy for me, A, it was easy, and B, it's so rewarding. Yeah. Because we made some money at the door, too. Oh, that's amazing. So everybody got a little money. That's, have you read the book, The War of Art? I have it, yeah. Okay, this mm-hmm. reminds me of that, like, uh, like once you get over the resistance and you, like, do something everything feels right like yeah feeling yes you got to push through that uncomfortable right feeling that's so cool you know what's funny is someone told me about the war of art a long time ago right and I was like I gotta get this book so I I don't read it's really hard for me to read I have to listen to stuff on uh, mm-hmm. on uh audio so I, I downloaded the audio book the art of war by accident oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like what the fuck is this <laughs> This is like, awful. Did you, were you like waiting for the message? Yeah, I was like, I was like, what's going was? on? And then, I, and then I realized it was the wrong book. It's <laughs> very wrong. Book. That's amazing. <laughs> Zen Chu or whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'm sure that's important somewhere along the way. He he did say keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was, I think, from his book. There's a life lesson in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you put on a showcase. And it went well. On the showcase, and I was like, I was like, I'm gonna keep this going. So I kept pretty funny women going like monthly. 
And it became, it quickly became, in the early 2000s, the hottest showcase in town for female, up-and-coming female comics. So I would just find these girls that I thought had a lot of potential or that I thought were stars, and I would book them on the show. We, it was at the Hollywood Improv. It was mm-hmm. once a month. And we would pack the place. I would pack the place. And, uh, you know, that's where, like, um, you know, on one lineup I would have Chelsea Handler, Tig Notaro, Retta, um, Maria Bamford, Natasha Leggero. So you're saying you have an eye. Yeah, I have a really a really keen eye for talent. That is my best gift, I, I think. Was most everyone you brought onto the show already stand-up comedians? They were stand-up comedians, okay. but they they were nobody. It's like nobody knew who these people were. They were struggling. Tig rode her bike. No. Yeah, Tig had a bike, and she would bike around town. She would. She's very relatable. Yeah, she's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, and so I was. I would put together these killer lineups, and industry would come to my shows because they would scout talent. It still happens. I just did a show at the Laugh Factory. I had mm-hmm. a bunch of managers there, agents, network people. They come. They look for new young talent on my showcases. I'm trying to go to your next one. It's October 11th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to go because I I know some of the people in it. And I want to go. See oh, them. okay. Did you yeah. hear that on my podcast with Jacqueline? I did, and I also follow her on Instagram, Jacqueline Marfuji. If you're listening, I'm trying to get you on the podcast, so call me back. Um, <laughs> and so I, I want to go. I love and the Laugh Factory is like I can walk to it yeah. right there. Yeah. So I love, I love live shows. I think people are in their element. I think it's so interesting. Yeah, you can't capture it on a tape. No, it's not the same. You really have to be in the room and have the energy of yeah. the live audience. It's and like watching theater on video. Yeah. It's not, no, it doesn't I work. Watch movie instead. Yeah. So when did you open the official like training? Because you said you used to train in your living room. Oh, okay. Back in the day. Yeah. So what happened? Okay. So in 2006, I was making a lot of money. Oh, well. You can just end the sentence there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was making a lot of money doing voiceover, which is great. Voiceover is great. You know, it bought me my house. But um, it was sort of lonely. Mm-hmm. it's a lonely profession you work for a couple of hours and then you go home and then you have all this free time and I was like what am I doing with my life um, I was a writer too before this I wrote on um, Girls Behaving Badly and Chelsea Lately and the Chelsea Handler show but um, when those jobs ended I was just doing voiceover and feeling like I wasn't contributing to society you know mm-hmm. it was acting voiceover it's fun it's super fun but it can be ego driven and I wasn't being of service. You know, I wasn't doing something that made me feel fulfilled. Yeah, there was something It was a way to make good money, and it was fast money, and it was wonderful in that way. But I wanted to do something that was meaningful. And so I decided, I want to teach a class. I produce a female comedy show. These girls could take my class, and they could be seen on my show. Yeah. So I... I put an ad in Dramalog. I don't know if you know what Dramalog is. I don't. Is. It's, it's used to be, it's Backstage West, essentially. Oh, okay. But it used to be a very popular, like, paper for actors back in the day. And it would list every audition. Mm-hmm. All the All the open calls for musical theater would be listed in there. It was open calls. You you would wait Man. for Thursday to come, for it to come out, and then you'd go get it at 7-Eleven, and you'd just <sighs> open it up and... Did you mail stuff into them for that? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You so, had manila envelopes and you put your headshot in there and little note and you would send off. 
Uh, yeah. A, a use for a headshot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of miss that. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I put together this class. I put an ad in drama log. I said, are you pretty funny? Are you pretty funny in a woman? Take my, take this class. And I got like four girls signed up. So I had like four girls in my living room, in my condo, in Sherman Oaks. And we just sat around my fireplace and I kind of put this curriculum together. And one of those women still does stand up and she's, I'm performing with her uh, on September 15th at a gig in Long Beach. Yes. Her name's Mary Patterson Broom. And she's hysterical. If you guys get a chance to check her out, she's really funny. She had this joke uh, when she first started, and it's still to this day one of my favorite jokes. But she's too old to do it now, she says. But this is when she was like in her early 20s. She said, um, I was walking down the street, and this homeless guy asked me for money, and I was going to give it to him. But then I thought to myself, you know what? No, my dad works hard for this money. <laughs> I think it's so good. <laughs> Isn't that a great joke? Yeah. <laughs> it's so LA, too. It's uh-huh. really par for the course. Mm-hmm. So it started with four. Four girls. And now I have mm, three classes a week, 12 girls in each class. So Damn. now I have 36 students a week. That's amazing. Yeah. Are you still acting and writing also? I, yes. Uh, uh, not writing so much because writing jobs take up all your time. Mm-hmm. They take up, they, you got to be there at like 9.30 in the morning and you're there till 6.30 at night and it's a grind. Yeah. So I can't really take a writing job anymore, but I, I do go on commercial auditions. I do voiceovers. I'm narrating a show right now for, uh, on Lifetime called um, The Seven Year Switch. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like couples who switch spouses. It's yes. yes it's Love good quality TV. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see your face. It's really, really hard to gauge whether you're actually joking. Yeah, it's uh no, I'm very thankful for the job. It's fun and uh it's it I did we did ten episodes, it's over now, but it's still airing. Great. On lifetime, yeah. Ten episodes of voiceover? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How do you balance coaching and teaching and your own career? And probably family and life and like all the other shit that goes on. Well, okay, so teaching is part time, right? It's three hours a night. So, well, okay, I have to be ready to... T- I teach out of my guest house. I have a guest house behind my house. I've converted it into a little comedy club. Perfect. So I don't really... It doesn't take... I can wear my pajamas. I literally just walk <laughs> outside and there's my studio. Okay. So uh, 6.30 to 10, three nights a week. And then on Thursday nights, I usually produce a show, and that's another couple of hours. So that's part-time. You know, mm-hmm. and then you know, go on going on auditions during the day. I had a I had a couple commercial auditions yesterday. That takes up more time than teaching. Really? Yes, because you have to pay, spend an hour putting your makeup on, Honestly, drive there. If I could tell someone the big, the worst part about auditions is freaking getting ready. Yes, I want to be a dude and maybe shower. I know, and you have to have the awesome. cute outfits. You have to have the look for every single category. You have to have businesswoman. You have to have mom. Mm-hmm. You have to have. A doctor and you have outfit. To, like, not get those sunglass marks in your makeup by the time you get to Santa yeah, Monica. You, yeah, exactly. Santa Monica. You have to find parking. Oh my god, it's the worst part. Then you get in the room. It's like three seconds later. Yeah, you go home. Yeah, and then there's 
50 other girls who look just like you sitting there. And at my age now, you're young, but at my age, yeah, (laughs) you are. You're young and beautiful. But in my category, I know I went to an audition last week. I knew like 80% of the women there because we've been doing this for 20 years together. And any one of us could do the job. Have you watched that group kind of dwindle? I think that's a fascinating thing to watch. Like, that's happening to me now because I just turned 30. Really? So, you look so young. That is officially part of your intro for this <laughs> Oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah, I just turned 30. You look like so, you're 21. I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying very hard. <laughs> yeah. To lock it you down. must be using Molly's recommended products. Uh, you know, I use a lot of them. Okay, there's a lot, good. There's a lot of work that goes into this. Uh, lots of sunscreen, basically. But... Uh, since I got out here seven and a half years ago, now I'm watching the group slowly dwindle of like the people I know are like starting to go home or starting to go have families and move to Santa Clarita and like maybe like step away from acting for a while. Like I'm kind of watching that process happen. Mm-hmm. That but there's happen? always more that come in. <laughs> <laughs> they come from miles around. I'm in that weird stage where I am going to still like, college girl auditions and also like young mom mm-hmm. and so that's an interesting one because now I go to the young mom and there's women in the waiting room with kids and I'm like oh I look like a baby and then I go to the college ones and I'm like I could be your nanny yeah. <laughs> all of these people in this room. well try going to an audition for women between the age of 50 and 60 oh yeah, and I'm sitting in the room with women with gray hair, and I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to get this. I'm in a strange category right now as well. It's such a weird process. Kind of in the middle. How yeah. has that been, like, aging in the audition process a little bit? Well, I took a break from doing commercials for, like, three years, so I didn't do it for a long time, because because it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's a big commitment. Commercials is a grind. Yeah. They're so fun once you get them. Yeah. They're like the best. For those couple days. Yeah. Someone doing your makeup. Craft services. Craft services. <laughs> your own little trailer. Oh, it's a dream. Mm-hmm. They're dr- uh, and then residuals. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The best. But um, what was the question? How, like uh, you're, you took a couple years off. Oh, I took a couple years back. off. And then I came back and I just, you know what? I'm a multitasker. I do a lot of things. You got to... Mm-hmm. I think you have to diversify <laughs> and if you want to be in this business. You have to have a lot of different things going on. Yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. That's why we're doing this right now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little stand-up. Mm-hmm. I know zero. Okay. I've never taken uh, – I've done, like, comedy acting, like – John Rosenfeld, like that kind of stuff, classes. But in terms of stand-up, writing my own jokes, I would have no idea where to start. Okay. So for our, our actors, who, they were wondering things like, what what kind of is the structure of your class? Like, can you give us like a basic idea of how this your process kind of goes, taking someone from zero to 60? So the first thing I ask is, how many people in this room have been told they're funny at some time in their life? And... Everybody raises their hand because no woman will show up to something that she doesn't feel she has a shot at. I mean, women don't have the self-esteem men do. (laughs) (laughs) Men will just be like, yeah, I'm funny. I'm funny around the water cooler at work. I could do stand-up. I went on a date once with a real estate agent who came to my show, and he was like, I could do that. Yeah, I'm funny. People laugh at me at work. I was like, that's insulting, but okay. (laughs) For sure, no one thinks that guy is funny. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was just so weird. So um, I tell everybody I can't make you funny, but I can help you hone your craft. So uh, the first homework assignment I give is, okay, so you're funny, you're witty, you're charming. Thank you. You're welcome. So you, I'm assuming that you are cracking jokes throughout the day sometimes. You're hanging out with your boyfriend. You're being funny. You're being silly with your girlfriends. And you're making people laugh. But I laugh the most at my own jokes. Okay. Well, that's all right. Is that a place to start? Yeah. I mean, are people laughing too with you? Are they, are you on the phone with your friend and you say something and she goes, that's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So you just wrote a joke. Anytime you say something and somebody laughs at you, that's a joke. So the first homework assignment I say to my students is, I want you to write that down, right? I want you to pay attention to everything you say this week that gets a laugh. Or that somebody says, that's funny. Mm, Write it down. Or I want you to write down anything your mom says that's funny. Or one of your best friends if they're not a comic. You know, so you can steal other people's material. I once, one of my very good friends, this was years ago, she's not in the business. We were talking and I said, do you want to have kids? She goes, oh, no. And I go, oh, why not? And she goes, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> and I was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard, and I'm going to use it on stage. So I use it as one of my jokes. Oh, that's To solid. this day, yeah. That's a good one. Okay, okay. So that's a place to start, right? If you're out there and you're funny, I'm sure you're being funny all day long and you're cracking these, uh, these one-liners and these jokes and you're being silly or physical or whatever it is you do, and it's going to waste if you're not writing it down. So then you could write it down, right? And then you go to an open mic and you sign up and you hopefully bring a couple of girlfriends with you. That's what my class does too. You you meet other women to go to these open mics with and try it on stage. Cool. I think that's where a lot of people's fear comes in. Well, you have to be on stage. Yeah. And And if you're an actor, you're already a performer. Mm-hmm. So you already have a leg up on anybody who's taking my class because most People who take my class don't want to be stand-up comics. That I found very interesting. Yeah. Because I get that, you know, I feel like with improv, people are just trying to, like, think on their feet a little faster. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the same is true for stand-up? Like, the is it for a confidence builder? Confidence. Okay. 100%. I get a lot of thank you cards after my class is over from girls. They, It's so sweet. I have a whole wall full of them. And it's because we're all amazing women. And just, it's why. so sweet. I love yeah. thank you cards. But every single card says, thank you so much. You gave me so much confidence. That's a gift. Stand-up gives you confidence. I mean, to face, anytime you face a fear, you grow. Mm-hmm. And so if you're afraid to do something, you should absolutely do it. 100%. If you want to take your career and your life to the next level, you have to do what you're afraid of. That's really a big, big mic drop there. <laughs> All right. So if there's something you're avoiding or want to try, but you're not doing it, you you got to do it. Life is so short. So in terms of material, mm-hmm. this was another question someone asked. How often do you change things up? How often do you recycle jokes? Sometimes I think that's very intimidating to me, the idea of like new perfect act all the time like I see the people at like the laugh factory down the street and it's a lot of the same names popping up you know once a week or something like that I'm like wow they just have so much material to go through Mm -hmm. well somebody who is a headliner um they and somebody who does a special Mm -hmm. like a Netflix special or an HBO special 
they have to write new material for f- because their audience has already seen their their stuff. Yeah, woof. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. But f- someone like me, I'm not famous. I've never had a special. I've never I've done stand up on TV a couple times, but I've never done it to where I have a following or an audience. Okay. So I do my same material for almost every show. I mean, I have an hour's worth of material, but I I do my favorite stuff. Uh and I I have a joke that I wrote uh in the 90s that I still do. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I still do old, old... You know, the other night on stage, I did jokes about being single. Okay, I've been living with my boyfriend for six years. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and I called myself out, and I was like, this is... I feel like a fraud. This is ridiculous. But the jokes work. Yeah. And they're so funny, and the audience love them, and I'm like, what, what am I supposed to do? Uh and then everyone says, well, you should write new stuff about your relationship. And I'm like, it's healthy. It's yeah. not funny. <laughs> my, my comedy, my healthy relationship does nothing for my comedy career. That's what, I mean, I have like a, I've, shit's pretty good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> In a lot of ways. I'm like, yeah, and com- oh, comedy comes funny. from pain, you know? So, uh, but every once in a while, my boyfriend and I will have something pop up and I'll be like, okay, I could talk about that on stage. Okay. But it's fascinated by yeah. this process. Yeah. What happens when a joke bombs? Well, hopefully you're not at a show. Hopefully you, it's bombing at the open mics. Okay. So, and that's a workshop place anyway. It doesn't matter if something works or doesn't. That's okay. what it's for. So that's not considered like a show. No, it's, it's like not a, a show. Okay. It's, it's a bunch of other comedians trying out material. That's what an open mic is. Oh. Yeah. There's very few audience members there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's like the testing waters. Yeah, well, it's a workshop great. place. Why do you think that there is this disconnect between attractive women and funny women? I, feel like I don't. Probably, I don't think so either. I personally don't, but I'm also in a bubble. Like, mm. I created my own reality, right? So for me... Women can be beautiful, sexy, smart, funny, classy. They can have it all. And on my shows, I like everyone to dress up. I ask everyone to wear a dress. Like, that's my favorite, when girls wear a dress. (laughs) Or like a cute, like, short romper thing Mm or um, a skirt or a suit. Like, something elegant or sexy or classy or just uh, professional, whatever. Just something because comedy can be so sloppy. You see people dressed in their um, jeans and their sweatshirt, and it's like, to me... Mostly dudes. Yeah, but it's a lot of women do it too, and it's like, okay, these people are paying money to get in to see you. You know, they're paying like 15 to 20 bucks a head to see the show, then they're mm-hmm. buying two drinks, then they paid for parking. Some of them hired babysitters. Like, let's put on a show. Let's yeah. look our best. Let's see. It started because I was in a hotel room on New Year's Eve with two of my friends who are comedians and they spent an hour and a half getting ready for New Year's Eve to walk out into a bar to stand there. And they looked hot and they did their makeup and their hair and they wore dresses, tight, cute dresses and heels. And I was like, you guys look phenomenal. Why don't you look like this on stage? This is how you should look on stage. That's an actual audience with industry in the crowd. Don't you want to look your best? And they were like, huh? And then that changed it for me. I was like, why would you spend so much time getting ready to impress a man? 
but not your audience. Ooh. I'm actually going to use that for myself for auditions. Yeah. Because sometimes I spend more time getting ready for a dinner with my friends than I do. Like yeah. Ready to get in the car. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Are, are there any common attributes you've seen um, in your successful comedians? Like something they've carried or like something about themselves that is, has really, I don't know, made them more successful? Mm-hmm. Lots of, lots of characteristics. But the number, I think the number one thing I've seen that from women who are, have made it big, and a lot of my friends are famous, Fear, fear, <laughs> fearlessness. Oh, I love that. Fearless. They're just ballsy. They, they, even if they're feeling nervous, they act as if they're not. And they, they, uh, and another thing is they're hustlers. They're hungry. They have a drive. They have a fire in them. They have something in them that needs to be on stage. Mm-hmm. That need, you know, that passion. And then they're curious. They're curious as to why this joke didn't work, and they want to fix it. So they analyze it, and they work on it, and they rewrite it, and they edit it, and they keep workshopping it and keep trying it. Um, and then they have a manager or an agent helping them. Yeah, That's like a big – I think that's a – that – you know, my friends that are just as talented as some of the girls who are now having their own shows and a tremendous amount of success, um, some of them, it's just lacking the component of somebody behind them, like How really believe in them. Are reps in that world? Well, I think it depends on what you want. Like, okay. I don't have a manager or an agent for really? theatrical. I just have for voiceover and commercial, yeah. Mm-kay. But because I haven't needed one, I produce my own content. I create my own shows. you're not doing that sitcom. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> no, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but that's okay. You know, you know that the day is young. <laughs> you never know. Uh, personally, I think it's easier to create your own show than it is to try and be cast in someone else's. At this point in my career, I'm 100% agreeing with you Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't fit into somebody's box of like what I mean. It's it's very, it's very limited. Yeah. But you can create your own content, especially nowadays. I mean, with YouTube and Instagram, and you you can constantly be putting yourself out there. Do you do that? Do you encourage your students to do that? The social media world is a tough one. Um, you know, it's probably my downfall. I'm not... How so? Well, first of all, it, I'm not a millennial, and it wasn't my generation to where we were on our computers and on our phones and constantly taking selfies and putting ourselves <laughs> <laughs> out there. So I don't do that as much. Like, one thing I'm, I'm uncomfortable with, which is why I know I have to do more of it, is promoting myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't like... I feel so awkward and uncomfortable going, hey, guys, can you listen to my podcast? Or can Which you- is so interesting to me because I feel like you've done the hardest part already. Like you're giving them, you've done all the work and you're like handing someone a fully formed package and you're like, hey, check this out. But that's the hard part for you. Well, it's, I don't, I don't like asking for things. And, yeah. and in this business, you have to ask. Yeah. You have to ask all the time. And you have to promote yourself, and you have to put yourself out there. And uh, for a long time, I didn't do that. I just kind of hid in the back as the producer behind the scenes. I would go and perform at the end of my show, but I mm-hmm. wouldn't. I wasn't trying to be 
a star, but I went and saw this healer, psychic woman. Who, oh, yeah. I want to talk about your spiritual aspects <laughs> in a second. Okay. Who told me that I, she said, what do you want out of life? What do you want? And I said, I want to be a, I want to empower women through the art of stand-up comedy. I want to have an international brand. And she goes, okay, well, you can't empower women until you empower yourself. She's like, you have to be the face of this brand. So people have to know who you are to buy into it. Yeah. So that was like, ooh, that was 10 years ago. And I still didn't do anything about it. I was like, <laughs> huh? And I was constantly putting these girls on stage and putting them. But now I'm like, okay, I'm, my brand is I'm the madam of comedy. Uh, I open the show at the Laugh Factory now. I come out first. Great. And I have two dancers open for me, which is always fun. Jacqueline's going <laughs> to choreograph something fun. That's amazing. And I come out like I'm the madam. I dress like the madam. I open the <laughs> I'm show. Sure going and to I, the show. And I present these girls. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Have you coached any men, by the way, before free dances? I okay. have. I have a okay. couple guys have come to me. Okay. Yeah. As like a but they don't go to class. No, they, no, okay. they can't take the class. But they, I, I've definitely done private coaching with men. Yeah, um, that's. This is a very interesting topic to me because I feel like that self promotion thing is where we all get a little caught up. Because mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of actors now who talk to me they're like I could never do what you're doing, like putting my opinions out. I'm like, you're already doing it. You're just doing it in a different way. Yeah, I feel like we all have our own ways of doing it. And that's funny that you were you cold called like agents and managers and casting directors to get them to come to your first show. But mm-hmm. you feel like you're not great at promoting. Well, I had a lot more, uh, I was much more needy back then. Ah, uh, okay. And, and like, uh, desperate. Thirsty. Yeah. Hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I gotta make this happen. I'm going to be a star, you know? And I just knew it. I knew I was going to be famous. So I, I, you have to believe with every fiber of your being uh, that you are going to be successful if, you, if it's going to happen for you. It will not happen for you unless you, every ounce of you goes, yes, I deserve this. I'm capable. I'm talented. You have to. I'm just listening because I can't wait to use that sound bite for something because it's yeah? so good. <laughs> I love that. Um, are there anything that you think, any things you think actors should know about like comedy in general, especially actresses, um, even in like terms of just auditions or commercial auditions? Um, I think that stand up, I'm not saying take my class, but take a stand up class. Do it or Probably try just take it. Your class. Or take, you take my class, but, but it's in the valley. Some people don't like to drive to the valley. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the hustle is real for a reason. You got to drive to the valley yeah. sometimes. But you, to have it on your resume, really important. Casting directors love it. Com- commercial agents love it. Um, it's a great foundation to have. You 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 do have sort of a advantage over other actresses in the room if you are a stand up comic because mm-hmm. you are a writer too. Every stand up comic is a writer. So you can actually punch up the copy that they give you. You know, you can add a button or mm-hmm. something in the beginning before the scene begins. You can have something going on that's funny before you even open your mouth. And if you're a comedian, you're thinking 
in that way already. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Put that in your pockets, guys. Uh, let's see. Do we answer all the Facebook questions? Uh, okay, so, yeah, one more Facebook question for you specifically. Uh, when you started, did you take any classes at all, or did you just go? Uh, I took acting classes, okay. and I had a, I had musical, I had uh, voice lessons, okay. and I took workshops for voiceover, and I took a bunch of commercial workshops, but I never took a stand-up class. Cool. I watched a lot of sitcoms, and that is still the best way to learn how to write a joke, is to watch multicams, half hours. Oh, that's good to know. Yes, with the live audience, and I recommend Golden Girls. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up watching Brady Bunch, and... Uh, I watched Cheers. I st- Cheers is still oh, on. Cheers is so good. I mean, if you think about it, it takes place in one room. And the dialogue has to be so strong to keep the audience's attention. So the jokes are just bouncing. They're bouncing back and forth uh, the entire episode. I mean, they're just one-liners, back and forth. They're set up, punch, set up, punch, set up, punch. You'll, you know, Diane will say something. Sam will pay it off. You you can see jokes in action when you watch multicams. It's a little trickier with single cams. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have study material, guys. On your podcast, which, wait, will you pimp out your podcast? Yes, it's called Pretty Funny Women. I interview female comedians, and we, um, I, I talk about, we, we get into the serious side of a comic's life. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just a spiritual conversation, but... A lot of times it's about their traumatic upbringing because comedy equals tragedy plus time and we get into like um, stuff that they struggled with, you know, bef- and what made them, you know, turn to comedy. Which is not at all what I expected. Really? When I first downloaded it, I was like, oh, it's going to be like a light, comedic, like, uh, you know, listen. No. No. So how did you get into one podcasting because mm-hmm. you also do some stuff with that and to the whole like spiritual world because you talk about a lot of manifestation and that kind of stuff on the podcast yes i'm very into the law of attraction and creating your own reality and visualization i'm into meditation i cool. meditate every day it's the best thing it's the thing that was a game changer for me and I do it before important auditions or shows. And I think it's, I think everybody needs to do it. What's your meditation of choice? Vedic meditation. Okay. I went to what a teacher that? and I got a mantra. And, you know, you go through this ritual, you do this ceremony, you pay him money. <laughs> it's on a sliding scale. I have, this, I have this deep question of all these people that, because you're not supposed to tell your mantra, right? No, you're not supposed to say your I mantra. I just want to know if everyone has the same one. <laughs> just selling the they same probably one. do. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But it's supposed to be something that's charming to your mind. And you say this mantra, and you think the mantra over and over again for 20 minutes twice a day. Do you sit in silence when you do it? Well, I sit, well, my dog is usually panting, laying next to me. (laughs) So I do hear that. (laughs) As close to silence as you can find in Los Angeles. (laughs) Okay, so that's, you do that twice a day. Yeah, meditation. I'm also, I'm also sober. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been, I've been sober for 11 years. Respect. So I'm in a 12-step program for that, and that's a very spiritual, uh, that's my spiritual practice. That's like my church, going to meetings. Okay. Um, I've read a lot of self-help books. I'm very into 
Louise Hay. She wrote You Can Heal Your Life, and she made a documentary called You Can Heal Your Life. And I think everybody should see this. You can heal Especially your life. if you're an actor, because it talks a lot about, she talks about how we talk to ourselves. It's huge. Uh-huh. And the voice in your head and what it's telling you, because you have to be careful of what you say out loud. You know, if you say, oh, I can't afford that, well, you, the universe will give you exactly what you believe and what yeah. you say. You won't be able to afford it. But if you say, oh, I can afford that, or I'm working on, you know, I'm, I'm working hard at bringing that into my life. Now, sometimes when you, I love affirmations, too. Sometimes when you say an affirmation, it doesn't feel real. Like, you can't go from zero to 100. You can't go from, I'm a millionaire. Right. You know, because that doesn't feel right. It feels like you're lying in your body. Mm-hmm. But you can say, I'm in the process of attracting large sums of money to me. That feels better, doesn't it? Yeah. Than saying, I'm a millionaire. I don't, I, this is a new one for me. The whole, so I, I meditate. That's mm-hmm. like, that was like my first step. What do you do? Transcendental? World. I do, um, the, the one. Mindful? Just, yeah. Mindful meditation. Mm-hmm. That's, that was like my ease in. I'm down to try others. I haven't, I haven't dabbled further than that yet. Cause right now I'm just trying to find time to like sit. It's great. Um, but it's really important to me. It saved my, I did a film, uh, in another country a couple years ago and, uh, it was a tough set to be on for a long time. Very like separated from a lot of people. Um, and it like saved my life. I Great. would have gone crazy. Uh, the sound guy introduced it to me actually. Oh, I he's love like, you've it. Gotta get, he's like, get this app, do this. I was like, cool. So I've, I, that's kind of been the one I've stuck to, but like the manifestation, the, I don't know if you're into like the vision boards. I, like, oh, I have a vision board and a God box. What, what's a God box? A God box is, it's basically a shoe box that you decorate okay. with quotes and pictures and things that make you happy, flower, whatever, you know, you like visually to look at that's stimulating. You put it on, you just cover this box with stuff that makes you happy. I love arts and crafts. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> then you cut out a hole at the top, right? And then you put all your dreams and goals and desires and fears and projects and scripts and I put everything in there that I want that I have no control over that the universe does you write it down and you put it in. I write it down like I'll write down a fear like oh my god my mom has Alzheimer's I'm afraid I won't be able to afford a place for her how am I going to get her into a memory care unit god you take it Fold it up, write it on a piece of paper, fold it up, put it in the God box, and then let it go and wait. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then then the universe answers every prayer I've ever had. Sometimes I'll go back and I'll open it and I'll look at old stuff and I was like, well, that fear went away. Well, that thing manifested. Well, that's not an issue anymore. That's so cool. Yeah. I, like I manifested my boyfriend. I made a list of all the qualities I wanted in a partner. I got really specific. I said, must be able to fix things around the house. Such a good one. Because that's a turn on for me. That's like porn. <laughs> Watching him with my iPhone, like setting up my passwords and stuff. I'm like, ooh, this is hot. Oh my God. It's 2018 porn. Yeah, it is. You <laughs> can unlock your phone. It's my porn. Yeah, I love when he's like working on his car outside. He puts his own brakes in his car. I'm like, oh what? my God. 
He's such a man. Yeah, he sounds lovely. Yeah, he's awesome. And that was something that you'd put in there. I put all these qualities. I put, well, the top of the list was I must have chemistry with this person. Because if you don't have chemistry, forget it. You're not going to want to work on the relationship. You're not going to stay. Yeah, you're bored. I have to be attracted. So I, that was my number one thing. I must be attracted. And then I put, um, must be on a spiritual path because that's real important to me. You know, I can't have somebody who's not, you know, who doesn't believe in God. That would be mm-hmm. hard for me. I think an atheist, although he's a Buddhist. Okay. And, and but he, but he, he will entertain these conversations with me, but he <laughs> doesn't believe in it like I do. As long as you have a belief of something, mm-hmm. I feel like that falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's something. I've had another guest who was on who uh, was pretty spiritual, and she was much younger, though, which I found really impressive because I feel like to have a steady belief in this town as a young person is, is tough. Yeah. This is not really a town built for encouraging we're getting a little more spiritual these days but the encouraging the belief of god like no one really talks about that yeah i feel like it doesn't fall into the category of like auditions or yeah. like how do we make this <laughs> this has nothing to do with going to church how did you fall into the world of spirituality and all of this kind of stuff well i had kind of a tough upbringing i mean i i had a lot of challenges happen to me and i went through severe depression in my tw- i'm bipolar too and so okay. i was diagnosed when i was 28 and um I'm on meds and I have a psychiatrist and I have a sponsor and I have a therapist and I have a team of people that help me stay normal. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I struggled with mental illness in my 20s and I said to my neighbor, I said, do you have a book that will help me? I just need like, I I was raised Catholic, but I don't practice Catholicism. Me too. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, not to bash anyone who's Catholic, but it just doesn't work for me. It wasn't, it doesn't align with me as a person. No, and it doesn't resonate with me as the truth. So I got, I said to my friend, this woman, she was much older than me. I said, can you recommend a book that I will like that will be spiritual? And she said, Living in the Light by Shakti Gawain. And I said, okay. And I went out and got it. And that day, and that was the beginning of me learning about this philosophy. Cool. Okay, yeah. so two book recommendations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you want another good book recommendation? Yep. It's a coming. real easy read. It's called The Game of Life and How to Play It. Okay. By Francis okay. Shovel, by Florence Shovel Shin. Great name. Yeah. She wrote it in 1929. It's about the law of attraction. It's about the secret back then. And mm-hmm. she was a woman mm-hmm. writing about this stuff. Wow, they published it back then. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. She talks about your words, what you, be careful of what you speak, because the universe will give that to you. Cool. She says you, a man cannot prepare for, he cannot ask for success and prepare for failure. So when somebody says, oh, I'm saving for a rainy day, you're preparing for failure. Oh, that is a phenomenal actor quote also. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, I got to have a backup plan. Well, yeah, I mean, you can have a side job, but a backup mm-hmm. plan, you're basically telling yourself, yeah, I'm not, this isn't going to happen. So I have to have something else to fall back on. I remember when I first moved to LA, I had a answer for that just as like a deflective 
just so I could please, because everyone from home was like, oh, she's going to move to California. She's going to be a star. See you in a couple years. And not everyone, but some people. And so I was like. Because people are jealous. Yeah. Because they don't have, they didn't have the courage to go off and pursue their dreams. Most people don't. I I give kudos to anybody who's here right now in Los Angeles pursuing a dream. That is huge. You know how many people don't do that? Most Most people. (laughs) Most people take the safe route or they stay Mm -hmm. in their hometown or they get a job that is going to make them, you know, give them security. Safety. Yeah. And if that feels good for you, hell Yes. But if it feels But if you're settled, an artist yeah, and you've you know. always been an artist, they say you should do for a living what you were doing as a kid for fun. Ugh. So if you yeah. were playing and putting on plays for your family and writing scripts and you know putting on <laughs> shows, you know what? That's your calling. Yeah. You're an artist. You're a performer. You got to do it and believe in yourself. Yeah. I believe you can have anything you want. I really do. But you have to believe in yourself that you deserve it, A, and that it's possible. So you have to have models for this too. Mm -hmm. You have to have people in your life who've done it that you can see it's possible. Like one of my friends is Molly Shannon. And when we were in our early 20s, but way before she got Saturday Night Live, Mm -hmm. um, she was just somebody that I admired and I liked the way that she ran her brand and her business. And I learned a lot from her watching her. And I still learn from her because she's a very powerful manifester. She's somebody who believes in creative visualization. and Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. She's, she's very talented. Yeah, she's so talented. But because I saw it was possible for her, then I believed it's possible for me. How do you deal with, if you, you function a lot in like energies and manifestations and stuff like that, if there is a lot, a lot to comedy, like you said, is some tragedy, there's a lot of like negativity. How do you deal with that, you know, kind of being surrounded in that atmosphere a lot of times? When you say negativity, what do you mean? Negativity. I guess I feel like there's a lot of self-deprecation and, um, right. That, and that, I'm like, very self-deprecating in my, in my act, very self-deprecating. I like to make fun of myself. I One of my jokes that I wrote many years ago, I don't do it anymore, but I said uh, I would wear a dress on stage and I would say I'm, uh, I'm a little uncomfortable because I'm not wearing any panties. Um, I'm wearing these. And then I lift up my dress and I show my Spanx. <laughs> and I reveal like these super, I got the ugliest pair. Of, it was like a body shaper that zipped up. They were really ugly. And, I, and that came from, fear of mine when I was walking across the street I was like so so the wind was blowing and I was so afraid that my dress was going to flap and people were going to see my Spanx Spanx. (laughs) and I felt ashamed right I was like I feel shame right now well that's where comedy comes from it comes from shame and pain and tragedy you know plus time some you have to heal it but whenever I'm ashamed of something like like I have no shame around my mental illness right around bipolar disorder because I've taken it and flipped it and taken control of it and wrote, I've written many jokes about it and I do it, I do it on stage. And so something about owning my body and the fact that I need to wear Spanx and that I have some cellulite, you know, um, g- frees you up when you just show the audience, boom, it would be my opening bit. It's like healing in that way. Yeah, I'd be like, here you go. Here's my body. I know I'm not perfect, 
I know I need these. That's who I, you know, here's yeah. who I am, guys. And people love it because they're like, oh, I wear those. Yeah, it's so relatable. Yeah. So, cool. so it's almost a more of a cleansing energy for you in ways. Very healing. Okay. Comedy is, stand up is, writing. Okay. I feel like I guess we, you see a lot of maybe like caricature versions of like, you know, like the tortured comedian or like the tortured writer in that way. Yeah. You know, again, like I said, I'm insulated in this world that mm-hmm. I've created. I'm, I surround myself with really positive women. Boy, that is the dream. (laughs) Like, my classes are very um, magical. It's just like, you know, people are really open and vulnerable, and all the girls are sweet who take my class. It's not competitive at all, ever. It's super supportive and loving. And then the graduation show night, all the girls sit at one table together, and they just cheer their, you know, their uh, classmates on and... And it's just such a fun night. I have a graduation show tomorrow night at Flappers, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, awesome. To seeing these girls, like, you know, do their show. Because there's a showcase at the end. That's so cool. Yeah, and then you get a copy of it. There's a video. So you have tape on yourself, which is what every actress wants, right? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, last question. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you wish you knew before you started in this whole world of acting, L.A., performing, something you would tell to someone You know someone what I right wish now? I knew? I wish I knew, because I had a lot of angst in my 20s, and I obsessed about my career all the time. It's all I ever thought about it, and I worried about the future, and I worried about, am I going to make it? Am I going to have enough money? How, you know, what, what about my agent? Are they going to drop me? I mean, it was just nonstop. I wish I knew everything is going to be okay. It doesn't. It all works out, always. It will work out. You will be okay. You will figure it out. You just take it one moment at a time. I wish I knew one day at a time when I was in my 20s because I didn't learn that. I didn't get sober till I was 40. Wow. And we learn one day at a time. I'm going to take that personally home with me and put it in my pocket. I yeah, like that it's was for just today. For <laughs> you, when you start to feel scared or worried about the future... Or your career, you go, wait a minute, for today, in this moment, this moment right now, I'm sitting across the table from you, we're doing this podcast, we're recording it, everything's good. Yeah. There's a couple of cute dogs in the room. Lots of candles. You have candles <laughs> lit, it smells good, it's beautiful, you have a cute boyfriend, you know, <laughs> I love the crown molding. Thanks, there's, uh, there's rope lights between that and the ceiling. Wow. Yeah, 80s apartment. That's so neat. And every, all is well, right? Like in mm-hmm. this moment, if I had more money in my bank account, would it matter? Yeah. Not in this moment, no. So if you just live fully present in every moment, life unfolds on its own magically and nature will take its course and nature knows what it's doing. And for me, nature is my higher power. That's my God. Like I turn everything over to nature. I go, okay, nature, you make the grass grow, the trees, the flowers, the birds and the bees, you, you know what needs to be done, you take it over. And then you go with the flow. That's such a more relatable God to me. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. But because it's much more powerful than I am. I don't know how nature works. I don't know why there's, there's uh, squirrels in my... I don't know how they're surviving. <laughs> and they find acorns. <laughs> and then acorns make trees <laughs> that feed the squirrels. What? 
Yeah. That's amazing. And we're here just trying to get a job saying other people's words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so silly. Oh my gosh. Lisa, you've been a pleasure. This was amazing. Oh, thank you so much. This was fun. Uh, Pimp yourself out. Your class, your website, your Instagram, your podcast. Like, give give it all. Okay. Well, so my podcast is fairly new. I have 11 episodes up there. It's called the Pretty Funny Women Podcast on iTunes. And my classes, you can go to prettyfunnywomen.com and look at my website. Just troll around there. Read my Yelp reviews. You should at least read, watch the, the initial Instagram video. The, 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 the opening video. video yeah. On the, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's prettyfunnywomen.com. I'm Lisa at Pretty Funny Women on Instagram at Pretty Funny Women. So, Beautiful. Yeah. Pretty Funny Women can't be said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, too many times. <laughs> She's going to tattoo it on her body. Uh, well, thank you so much for... Thank you, Sam. You're right. adorable. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All right, guys. I will talk to you in just a bit. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Lisa, thank you so much for your time, your energy, and sharing really deep personal parts of your life as well as being fucking hilarious. But just wait because that is not the last of her you're going to hear on this podcast today. Stick with me for a second. You guys, if you want to know more about Lisa and her classes and her stand-up and all that good stuff, all the links she talked about, all the books, all the podcasts, is is all posted at onebrokeactress.com. If you click on the podcast section, you will be able to go to Lisa's episode. And then from there, you can see all the good stuff that she is offering us in this episode. So make sure to check out her podcast, look into her class if you're willing to up your comedy skills and get really brave. She was awesome. Thank you again so much, Lisa. Also, guys, uh, please feel free to check out my Instagram if you want to be directed to some places you can donate for the Southern California fires, for the animals or the people, wherever your preference may be. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Episode 8 in the bag. Way to go, team. Uh, Just a few more episodes left this season, but don't fret. OneBrokeActress.com will be up and running with brand new posts very, very soon. And uh, in the meantime, I hope you're out there kicking some ass. Shoot me your Instagram posts. Tag me. All the things. And to send us off today, a very special treat. Lisa's song, Rejected Again. Enjoy, guys. I'll see you next week. As a tribute to musical theater auditions, it's based on a true story. Mine. Rejected again. Seems I never get the chance. Can't remember when. They asked me to stay and dance. I sang 16 bars, I belted a T, but when they called out the names to stay, they didn't call me, rejected again, I don't know where I go wrong, I buy drama log, and wonder where I belong, all the same lines will keep you on fire. Someday they'll call I live in denial Each night I pray That someone notice me Can't even book a job
expected again You know what I mean My phone never rings But I still check my machine I just need a break Or some bit of luck Or maybe I should just give up And say what the